0: What is the perfect story? Hell if we know! In this special quarantine bonus boomerang we'll be pitting some of your favorite cartoon characters against each other in a battle royale of wit and wisdom. It's our signature pop culture debate, the boomerang-orang. Welcome to the Midnight Myth.
1: Welcome back to the Midnight Myth Boomerang-A-Rang. What? Word,
0: Boomerang-A-Rang.
1: Midnight Myth listeners, very happy to bring this joy-filled, fun, silly debate called the boomerang rang If you're new to the Midnight Myth, this may be the first rang We usually do these just for our lovely, beautiful, amazing patrons, but- because we're all going through this uh, you know, virus, quarantine, social, social distancing. distancing, it's been really hard for a lot of us. We're going to have every one of our listeners be able to access this particular Boomerang orang. So here's the deal. The Boomerang orang is a debate between Laurel and I. In one hat, literal physical hat, we have hats, we have a whole bunch of of characters from Looney Tunes. Yep. In another hat, we have scenarios. Those scenarios are going to be themed history, mythology, or philosophy. For example, we could have Daffy Duck as a general in World War II versus Foghorn Leghorn as a general in World War II.
0: And who would be better? We have to debate whoever we pull out of the hat.
1: Now, the fun bit of this is you listeners get to decide... Who won the debate? Who did the better job arguing for their character? Now, Laurel and I know what characters are in the hat, but we each wrote our own scenarios. So of the scenarios, half of them I came up with, half of them Laurel came up with. So there's going to be some fun surprises. All right, we've all played this game before. Let us go into our character hat and let us pick our first characters. Laurel, who do you have?
0: I have the man, the myth, the legend, Bugs Bunny.
1: I have the famous, the ferocious, the vicious Tasmanian devil. Ooh, Laurel, good matchup. Would you like to pick the first scenario? Why not? So Laurel is going into it's the a scenario great hat. And you can argue your side first. So, ladies first.
0: All right. The first scenario is who would be better at finding the Holy Grail?
1: Oh, wow. Little Bugs bit of Bunny. history, little
0: mythology.
1: Versus Tasmanian Bugs Devil.
0: versus Taz. So I'm going first? Yeah. Okay, great. So uh, would Bugs Bunny be able to find the Holy Grail? I think the answer to this question is obvious. Um, what does it take to find the Holy Grail? It takes a good and loyal knight who is devoted to King Arthur, and it takes uh, a knight who is pure of heart and who is able to withstand incredible um, uh, trials and tribulations, who's able to cross a wasteland, who is clever and who is uh, thoughtful and who is attuned to the people around him. Uh, So Percival is the knight who first uh, sees the Holy Grail in the Arthurian legend, and he is able to see it because he uh, is clever enough to find his way to the wasteland and the castle of the Fisher King. Absolutely, Bugs Bunny is an excellent candidate for this because not only is he a great traveler, he has an incredible uh, network of um, tunnels that he can use under the ground in order to get places without facing, you know, bandits on the road or black knights or uh, other kinds of, you know, weather. Even he just has to make sure he doesn't take the wrong turn at Albuquerque. So I think Bugs Bunny could absolutely get to the Grail Castle with absolutely no issue. Uh, And then once he's there, Bugs is incredibly outfitted for this because he's already been through a similar adventure in the classic cartoon Nighty Night Bugs, Uh, where he goes after the singing sword, Uh, he is in this kind of, uh, he's already in this kind of scenario.
1: You're you're pulling out some deep cuts here. (laughs) This is
0: like my favorite cartoon ever made. Uh, It's definitely on YouTube, so make sure you watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, They say, only a fool would go after the singing sword, but you know what? Bugs Bunny is that fool. And he would do the same thing for the Holy Grail. He's also uh, the ultimate good guy. He's pure of heart. The knight who achieves the Holy Grail in the legend is Galahad, who is pure and who is uh, chaste and who is devoted. And I think Bugs, if anybody else, is a great leader and is devoted to his fellow Looney Tunes, uh, but will outwit Elmer Fudd at every uh, level. So only a fool would go after the Holy Grail. Bugs Bunny is that fool. Laurel wins.
1: You had me until the pure and chaste stuff. Bugs Buddy is definitely not pure and chaste.
0: He's good, though. He is. You can't argue that he's not good. What's his, yes, I can. What's he's, his
1: favorite line? He's
0: chaotic good.
1: Ain't I a stinker? No, nah,
0: it's what's up, doc?
1: Yeah. and anyway. He also says, ain't I a stinker? He's
0: chaotic good.
1: All right. Let's move on from the wrong character. And let's start talking Boo. about the right character, which would be the Tasmanian devil. Now, right out of the gate. The Tasmanian devil doesn't seem like a natural fit for a holy quest deemed by the Christian God or God because of the word devil in the name. But if we're going to ask ourselves, what does a questing knight need? What do they have to do to go on a quest and be successful? What is the one thing knights are known for more than anything else? That is fighting they are all fighters every single knight who ever lived in the medieval times in both myth and history was a warrior tasmanian devil is also a warrior he is tough he is strong he comes in like a whirlwind will knock anyone and everyone in his way and he will fight his way to this grail He is the prototypical early medieval knight, chaotic, warlike, strong, who needs a quest in order to focus his energy so he can stop terrorizing the poor peasants for Christ's sake. The Tasmanian devil would swoop in, wipe all of the other looney tunes off of the battlefield and make his way through the wastelands to the castle of the Fisher King and claim the cup. Now, the scenario says, could you read the scenario one more time for me, please?
0: Finding the Holy Grail.
1: So, finding it. It's not taking it. It's not getting it. It's just finding where it is. Yeah. One who is very quick, one who can get great distances very fast, has a better chance of traversing large amounts of English territory in order to find this Holy Grail. The fastest character in this scenario is the Tasmanian devil. He's literally part wind. He is so quick that he will be able to, if it's a race, be able to beat Bugs Bunny. Yes, Bugs Bunny can go into a bug hole, but he still has to dig them. While he's digging this network of tunnels, Tasmanian devil, he's just going to whirlwind right over there.
0: Do you think Taz would even care, though? Do you think if you said, Taz, I need you to go find the Holy Grail, he would understand what you were saying and want to do that? Or would be chaotic?
1: Absolutely he'd want to, because first he has to... So in this scenario, he swears loyalty to King Arthur. Uh, okay, sure. And becomes a knight and goes on a quest. So if we're going to assume that Bugs Bunny is chaste and pure of heart, things that he is certainly is not... We can assume that the Tasmanian devil can be a knight.
0: But he is experienced in medieval castles. I will I will hold to that.
1: All right. Moving right along next to scenario, our next round two. character. I think I easily won that one.
0: I really don't think so.
1: I have Porky Pig.
0: And I have Marvin the Martian.
1: Oh, sweet. Let me pick my scenario here. Now, let us... Killing the Gorgon Medusa. Oh,
0: we got two of my scenarios in a row.
1: Wow. Okay. So the Gorgon Medusa, we all know from Greek mythology, when people would look at her, she would turn them to stone, and is famously killed by the the uh, Greek hero Perseus. Now, Porky the pig, he doesn't seem like a likely warrior in this this regard. He's kind of clumsy. He's not really agile. You can't really see him as a warrior. But I think that's what makes this so special. Porky Pit the pig, a common man, a common pig, just like Perseus, raised by farmers, if you recall. Perseus didn't think much of himself. He just thought he was a farmer until the gods came calling and he learned he was actually a son of Zeus. Perseus would have no chance against the Gorgon unless. He had help. And who was that help? Athena, who gave him the shield. Porky Pig is known by going, that's all, folks, at the end of every Looney Tunes episode. In fact, you would say that that is a foundational pillar to what makes a Looney Tunes cartoon a cartoon in the way that Perseus is a foundational myth in forming what it means to be an ancient Greek hero. They're as essential to each other's mythologies. You take out Porky Pig, and the entire Looney Tunes mythology falls apart, just as if you take out Perseus. Now, Athena comes to Porky Pig and gives Porky Pig the shield by which the Porky Pig could suddenly see the Gorgon. Now... (laughs) I'm really struggling (laughs) with this one. I mean, Porky Pig would be really, really
0: yeah, it's awful un- it's at an this. Unfortunate draw. That's and the that's there, the fate of the boomerang. array. Go,
1: go to go to Marvin Martian. I salute you, <laughs>
0: uh, Marvin Marvin the Martian. Interesting draw here. What uh what, what planet is Marvin the Martian from? Mars. I believe that would be Mars. Uh, Mars. Th- that's ringing a bell for me in mythology. I think he may have a um an antecedent in Greek mythology named Air Ares. If I remember correctly, oh, who you're, is a, being,
1: you're being so cheeky. Who is a
0: god of war, and who is maybe related to Athena? And Marvin the Martian is already outfitted as a Roman centurion. Uh, definitely, he's proof of ancient aliens. Aliens built the Colosseum because look at Marvin the Martian. He influenced, uh, you know, Roman culture through his fashion choices. But um, I think all we have to know. Derek is shaking his head at me so much for peddling the nonsense of ancient aliens, and I apologize. I was being funny. Um, But I think we already know that Marvin the Martian comes from a warlike culture that has a similar uh, sort of mythological consciousness to the ancient Greeks and Romans because he wears similar dress and because his planet is named after the Roman god of war. Uh, So I think it's a no-brainer that out of this scenario, we would choose the uh, warlike Martian, the warlike alien, who has advanced technology through which, you know, he wouldn't even need a shield necessarily. That's simple technology you could use, but he could also just use one of his major telescopes that he's always designing uh, in order to see the Gorgon and just target her from space. So uh, I think it's a no-brainer. I apologize that you drew Porky Pig, uh, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and call this one a win for me. But Twitter, maybe you can save Derek.
1: I mean, I did what I could with the character that I had. You did your best. And I think if he were outfitted with magical weapons the way that Perseus was, he'd have a fighting chance. Sure. Do I think he'd beat the Gorgon? Probably not. But he'd have a fighting chance. Yeah. Uh, All right. Who do you have?
0: I have Tweety Bird.
1: I have Wily Coyote. Ooh, very interesting matchup. Now pick your scenario.
0: Pick my poison. I, we only have Derek's scenarios left. I wrote my, the first mine two. Mine are long, and I'm oh, they always are. All right. The scenario is oh god, reorganizing the Roman Republic into an imperial monarchy, which will last for one thousand years and change the world.
1: Go on, Tweety Bird.
0: Tweety Bird. Wow. Okay. Um, Tweety Bird, as you know, is a delightful, delightful creature uh, who lives in a cage uh, with Granny and is constantly, constantly being terrorized uh, by Suffer and Succotash himself, Sylvester. Uh, It's a difficult life being Tweety Bird because as much as uh, he is cared for as much as he is loved, uh, he is cooped up in a cage. Uh, it's, it, it, he's, he, he's fish in a barrel. That's the phrase I was looking for. I was like, he's fish in a barrel, but he's a burden in a barrel, essentially. He's just completely served up to Sylvester. And that kind of life is not sustainable. If you are in that kind of situation, you cannot let that stand because you will not survive. You and your race will not survive. So You must revolt. You must change the system. You must find a way to uh, support the rights of birds uh, worldwide. You must find a more uh, a more practical system that allows you to regain the power that you don't have. I see Tweety Bird as disenfranchised and as uh, as longing to get out of the cage and become a leader because he's smarter. Than Sylvester. If he wasn't in a cage all the time, he would be uh the ruler of Sylvester. Sylvester would bow to him. Uh so that's my argument here. Um is that Tweety Bird uh would be the benevolent emperor uh who revolts from being in a cage and makes it look like uh, you know, he's being because he, you know, is one among equals, right? He's the leader among equals. Uh, just like Augustus was when he uh reorgan oh god damn it, falling apart, falling (laughs) apart.
1: You're struggling here. (laughs) Are you ready for me to go? Nope, nope,
0: nope, nope. So Tweety Bird um uh would 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 reform his system in his life by breaking out of the cage and becoming uh Even though he is small, even though he is underestimated, he would seize power and make Sylvester bow to him. That's the best I can do with that draw.
1: I am really impressed that you referenced the Princeps, which is one of the few titles Augustus took, which means first among equals. Yeah. Which was, uh, you know, and then Augustus means the great one as well. I was figuring
0: I would get, you know, a couple of marks on my bingo card, if not a win.
1: Yeah. Rome was founded mythically by brothers Romulus and Remus, who were shuckled, suckled by a she wolf. Wolves are of the same family as lots of other canine creatures, such as coyotes. Point one Wiley Coyote. Now, Wiley Coyote is known for famously chasing the roadrunner. He can never catch the roadrunner. And the Roadrunner usually out-schemes him. But what does that mean? That means that he is incredibly good cardiovascular shape. That means that he could probably do really well in leading a legion. And leading uh, all of the battles that he's had with the Roadrunner have helped prep him for the actual strategies and battles ahead for the Roman civil wars. Now, Rome became a imperium a imperial monarchy because of three generations of civil wars. Imagine that three generations of civil wars. Eventually the people wanted one person to kind of get this chaos under control. Well, Wile Coyote is very comfortable with chaos. He's seen it. He's lived through it. He's battle tested because of it. And he knows a few things about vindictiveness and meanness. When Augustus and uh, Mark Anthony and Lepidus formed a, a ruling of three men, they drew up a list of all of their enemies and killed them all and took their wealth. They did this because Caesar was very famously lenient on his enemies, and they eventually conspired against him and murdered him. So they said, listen, now that we have this tetrarchy here, this rule of three, Let's not do what Caesar did and just forgive everyone. Let's kill everyone that's on our our list. And so that way, there's no political opposition left. You have to be sneaky to do that. You have to be treacherous. You have to have a ruthless, cold heart that's comfortable with murder in cold blood to get an objective, does that sound like any characters on this table here? Oh, yeah. That sounds like Wiley Coyote. Tweety Bird, definitely. Wiley, it definitely sounds like he's wily, he's a little wild, but he's also a little clever. Now, Augustus ruled as a benevolent monarch, and they call it a golden age, but it was a brutal pathway towards his ascension, one that Wiley Coyote will know how to navigate, and getting there won't repeat the mistakes made by people like Julius Caesar and will reorganize the greatest imperial republic of the ancient world into an imperial monarchy which will last for a thousand years.
0: Um okay well done.
1: Yeah baby.
0: You ever seen a a roadrunner in real life?
1: I have not ever seen a roadrunner. We used to actually
0: see them all the time on the side of the road in Texas. They're really cool looking birds.
1: So I have Yosemite Sam.
0: Oh, and I have Daffy Duck. This is our last round, everybody. It feels so short. Yeah. Um, But it feels right that we started with bugs and are ending with Daffy. What's the scenario?
1: The scenario is founding the first academy in ancient Athens, so all philosophers could join together and work to perfect human knowledge. that. <laughs> what in the world? As you may or may not know, Midnight Myth listeners, Plato, the student of Socrates, founded a school. He called it the Academy. It was the first formal institution of higher learning in all of human history. And the idea was a place where philosophers could meet and discuss and talk and would-be, wannabe, aspiring student philosophers could go and learn from people like Plato and Aristotle. Aristotle, who also attended the academy and went on to form his own schools afterwards. Yosemite Sam, the wise Yosemite Sam. Now, there's a certain air of folksiness about him, and he does seem to be constantly being outmaneuvered by Bugs Bunny, But that's really a lot like Socrates. Socrates famously spoke to his own spirit, a spirit that was a little bit of a trickster. And it was because he spoke to the spirit that he was charged with impiety, saying that he did no longer honor the Athenian gods and goddesses, but was communing with his own special spirit. Imagine this metaphor, if you will, Wile E. Coyote, I'm sorry, Yosemite Sam doesn't actually have a blood feud with Bugs Bunny, but rather is communing with his own individual spirit. His own individual spirit, which challenges his basic set assumptions about reality, the laws of physics, about what is right and wrong, gender norms, all of the things that Bugs Bunny represents to challenge Yosemite Sam, all so that Yosemite Sam can be better prepped, better prepared to have thought-engaging dialogue, to engage in a Socratic form of intellectual discovery, to try to find the perfect forms of reality and existence. Yosemite Sam actually looks kind of like a philosopher with his big beard, like many of the ancient uh, philosophy, <laughs> Laurel's just laughing, ancient philosophers in Greece in particular were known for their big beard. Y- you know, the beard. <laughs> <laughs> that means says philosopher like a big beard. So to me, this is something that I could realistically see happen. That Yosemite Sam, another thing, almost every ancient Athenian had to, by law, if you were a male citizen, which all the philosophers were, serve in the military. You had to have military experience to be a citizen. If called upon to fight, everyone was expected to fight. Yosemite Sam is a fighter. He has guns. He's comfortable in combat. And this is something that an ancient Greek philosopher would also be comfortable in, was something that they would have also gone through, All of these make Yosemite Sam the ideal candidate of the two on the table here, for Daffy Duck is nothing but a fool. Let's just call it like it is. He is silly, he's foolish, he's chaotic, and he switches in his life from good guy to bad guy. He starts as a good guy Bugs Bunny, but over time, they turn him into a nasty, shallow foil of Bugs Bunny. Everyone, we all know the answer. Know that you know nothing. Yosemite Sam.
0: I'm Yosemite Sam, and I approve this message. (laughs) Um, I think you are underestimating Daffy Duck. I think you're underestimating Daffy Duck, one of the most fascinating characters in all of Looney Tunes, and I'm really excited that I've drawn him for this particular scenario. Uh, And to make my argument, I'm going to reference another classic Looney Tunes uh, cartoon known as duck amuck. Uh Derek have you seen Duck Amuck? It's I have no idea. It's the one where Daffy is in like a white void and the artist uh the cartoonist is drawing his surroundings and props and um and costumes and then erasing them and changing them and throwing him into all kinds of scenarios. It's uh it's incredibly meta. Daffy breaks the fourth wall the entire time. He addresses the cartoonist and the audience. Um, frequently over and over and over again. And it becomes a maddening display of what it's like to be a cartoon character, what it's like to be a thought form uh, rather than an actual being with freedom and free will and consciousness. Uh, It's one of the most existential cartoons Ever made. And if you watch it, you're blown away by how ahead of its time it is. uh, That children were watching this incredibly philosophically rich and dense cartoon that's also full of laughter uh, and comedy. Daffy has been through this gauntlet, which is a soul enriching and soul breaking and mind elevating experience. Uh, You can't come out of that kind of experience where you realize that you are just uh, a player in a much bigger game, where you realize maybe there is somebody else pulling the strings, and maybe I have a way to break out and forge my own identity, or maybe I don't. He's been contemplating these big questions in a way no other Looney Tune has. Every other Looney Tune is content knows exactly who they are, knows exactly their limits and their boundaries, and does not look outside of the box, does not look outside of the animation cell. But Daffy Duck has looked his creator in the face and said, man, what's this all about? And said, what am I, who am I, why am I here, and how is this all happening? He's, he's literally been in Plato's cave, and he is the one who is breaking free of the chain to the rock and walked outside and seen sunlight and seen the truth. And if you're telling me that he's gonna come through that experience of duck amuck and not start an academy where we think through these questions, then you're crazy. If you think Yosemite Sam is gonna do that and Daffy Duck is not gonna be contemplating the big questions of life, the universe, and everything, then I don't know what Looney Tunes you've been watching.
1: Well, one, I love the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference there, so you definitely get points there. The scenario is not who would be better in cartoon form. It's who would be better in ancient Greece founding the Academy. And Daffy Duck doesn't go through this existential dilemma unless Bugs Bunny is drawing him.
0: I'm and he's not sure doing that
1: in this scenario.
0: I I can almost guarantee there is at least one moment where Atoga is drawn on him, and he's in, uh, you know, a, a land with columns. There has to be, and I I think that's semantics about the question. I think absolutely, you pluck him out of that, uh, out of his. Actual lived experience in Looney Tunes, and you put him in ancient Athens, and he is contemplating those questions.
1: He would be supper, and you're right. It is
0: Bugs Bunny at the end of it who who reveals himself. I have seen it. Yeah, it's a great cartoon.
1: Yes, and he would be supper for the Greeks.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think he would be a cynic. He would be a cynical philosopher. He'd be like Diogenes um, rather than anybody else. He'd be telling you to get out of my light um, instead of Socrates, but. It'd be really fun.
1: All right, well, that is our signature boomerang, orang. That, that went
0: really quickly. It went really quickly. Uh, that was super fun. It almost makes me want to do like a full episode on the philosophy of the Looney Tunes because it's just such a rich world to mine. But that would be quite an undertaking. Uh, yo, listeners, if you enjoyed this, if this was your first orang, welcome. We do these whenever we can, and we do them monthly for our Patreon supporters. If you support us at the $5 level or more, you will get a monthly boomerang orang. Um, but you can support us for as little as a dollar a month uh, and get shout-outs on the pod and other perks as well. So uh, if you are interested in supporting us, either visit us at midnightmyth.com or at patreon.com midnightmyth. Um, but we're so happy to have been able to share this with you, uh, with the wider audience. Uh, and we hope that you enjoyed and had a little bit of fun. Remember to play along on Twitter. We'll post these uh, later this week as Twitter polls.
1: And until next time, everybody, be kind. That's all, folks.